Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Middlesex County Cricket League podcast. My name is Dan Huff from Twickenham CC. Um, as ever, I am very pleased to welcome two fine custodians of the game to talk all things uh, Middlesex County Cricket League with me here this evening. And first up, Salman Ali from North London. Hi, Sal. How's things? Hi, Dan. Yeah, it's, it's getting dark now, isn't it? And the winter's coming very soon and cricket season's over. Apart from that, I'm still, you know, surviving. You know, we're getting six months ago. Yeah, it's just yeah. that time of the year now, isn't it? Where we were kind of like our mood changes and seasons finished, and you know it's all it's all getting gloomy. But never mind, we can you know yeah. hopefully in six months' time we'll be back to normal again. Absolutely, get through those thirty-two weeks of IKEA shopping, and and, and it'll be April before you know it. Um, fantastic, and very pleased to welcome um, the vice captain of Teddington, Alistair Pollock. Hi, Alistair, how are you? Hi, Dan. Yeah, very good, thank you. Just getting used to the end of the cricket season vibe, but yeah, very well, thanks. It takes a while, doesn't it? You have to get into a different rhythm. Um, your Saturdays just feel totally different. Um, so, yeah, I hear you. Now, one of the reasons we asked Alistair to come on is obviously because Teddington have had, as a club, a, um, a pretty impressive season. Um, all four sides won their leagues. Um, some of them won their leagues out of canter, quite frankly. Uh, and we wanted to talk to Alistair a little bit about that and about, about Teddington's year and how it's gone so well, why it's gone so well. Uh, and um, and to try and sort of uh, work out, you know, what lessons the rest of us can can draw about Teddington's success. So, Alistair, we start at the beginning. Did you see this? Did you see this fantastic season coming? Let's, you know, we know that way back in May we didn't think we were going to have too much cricket at all. But once we got up and running, did you know straight away that the club was in a good place? I think I think obviously over the winter we sort of reflected over the past few years and, and thought about what what we might do better. What we might look to change, um, and once we got up and going, I think we were, we were pretty confident. And we got all our, from the first team perspective, we got our full strength team out week after week, and we could give everyone a good run for their money in the league. And I think 
from the wider club perspective, I think we were all very encouraged that they, we had all, all the kids were, were around, so they went away on holiday like usual. We had our adults couldn't go to weddings um, or find another excuse like a barbecue not to play. So we were we, we, were, we were pretty confident that we could keep our availability high, which has always been our Achilles heel, that we could compete compete with everyone in the league. But I mean, I'm not sure anyone would have would have bet against all four, but we certainly fancied our chances. It's interesting you say about availability. I mean, even clubs like Teddington worry about availability. That's, that sounds, that, that sort of gives me a, a modicum of hope, really, because we always say that. And every club I've ever played at, it's oh my goodness, if only we could get our full-strength sides out, we'd be a force to be reckoned with. And if, you, if even you guys are, are thinking that, then, <laughs> then, then it's, it's good to know we're all in that same particular boat. Well, no, yeah, I was going to say, last year we, we had situations where we were struggling to put three teams out and cancelling in our, in our fourth level to this year where we were putting out five 11s and had additional players who weren't as well. So it really, it really was a sort of step change year. Hard to put a finger on why, but I think I think one of one of the real reasons was a lot of our juniors sort of coming through and being at that age of late teens, early 20s and being really keen to get involved now. I think for us is what was really pleasing about this year. So in a way, lockdown helped in that it got people thinking and playing cricket a little bit more frequently than they might have done. Is, is that a fair call? Well, without doubt for us, um, I think it helped. As I said, it definitely helped some of our younger guys think we went away on holidays with their families and it certainly helped our older guys who didn't go to any weddings or anything like that. So I've never seen availability like we have this year. I think everyone was just really keen to get out there play and just see their mates, I think. Makes a lot of sense. And even though my club, Twickenham, had a, had a pretty poor year, certainly in the first, we did have a lot of players. Um, we we seen a lot of availability through the club, just, you know, in key positions. We were perhaps a little under strength um, at the top. In terms of the first team then, what's the secret of the success? Where, where were your real strengths? What, why did you win the league, in other words? What, what was the key, key to the success? Well, I, think, I think our batting this year was seriously strong. Um, we had weeks when we had Josh Nappett walking out to bat seven, which I think always gives you a lot of confidence. And then I think throughout the order, people contributed in all different ways. I mean, Harry Evans, our overseas, was was unbelievable this year. I think he averaged 69 or something. And whenever he went out to bat, just didn't look like he was going to get out, um, which obviously filled you with a lot of confidence. I mean, from a... On the bowling side, we had obviously Abby came over as director of cricket. Abdullah, left, young left arm spinner, came over as well, both from Richmond, and they were and they were invaluable for us sort of through those middle overs. Once we sort of got out of power play, those two came on. When you add James Keatley into the mix, I mean, it was people really. I think, I'm not sure we can see it over the all year. Um, and then obviously Sam Harris with the ball as well, one of our younger opening bowlers. Did seriously well, and he'll be a great prospect. So I think we had a few all rounders in there. I mean, it really felt like we had sort of all bases covered. And then when you throw in the likes of Sam Robson and, and Gubbins, who played four games each, you do you start having quite a, a seriously strong side. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I was going to ask you about the overseas there, Harry. I mean, he, clearly an exceptional player. 
Um, for those who don't know, how, how did you end up having it overseas? Because, of course, a lot of clubs just, just gave up on that idea with, with, um, with, with lockdown doing what it was doing. Yeah, I think we were a little lucky there. I think Harry came over, he works at KPMG, came over on a secondment. Um, and we, we got wind of that he was coming over. And I think it was through Sam Robson's dad, actually. Um, sort of links in Australia where we've had a few overseas in the past. And, and he came over early January time. So we were here before various lockdowns started happening and then got him on board and he's so relaxed, just wanted to play a bit of cricket, didn't want to be, take it too seriously. And we were just we were just really lucky that how good he really was. Just borrowed everyone's kit, broke people's bats, but just scored so many runs. I'm loving that. He, he didn't want to take it that seriously. So he joined Teddington and won the Middlesex League. <laughs> For most club cricketers, that's like, wow. <laughs> he must be some player. Where did he play his cricket at home? What, I mean, obviously, he was a top quality he's, cricketer. He, yeah, he's from Gordon in, in Sydney. Uh, so okay. he never played any professional stuff, but by all accounts, he was one of the best players over there for, for many years. He's in his early 30s now. So, I mean, I mean he was we had a few people in the sort of late 20s, early 30s, which I think, whilst it's really... I think North Middlesex last year probably won it through their youth of Cracknell and Holman. Whereas this year, I think we had quite an old team, which which can, I think can help in these situations that sort of people can get you out of sticky situations just with the cricket they've played in the past. Yeah, yeah. So, Alice, you mentioned about the fact that you 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 know you didn't how many games were teams called more than 180, for instance. I did look at that actually, and it is quite an interesting fact in seeing that you know your your bowling obviously was so strong. So where your tactics were to bat first and sort of pole the runs or then just put the squeeze on sides, you know, who, who are trying to chase a big score with your spin and your sort of seam attack? Yeah, I think, well, my, my view in club cricket is that unless there's something really, really strange in the wicket, you always look to bat first, get some form of score and then just let let the pressure pressure of chasing get you there. That's what happened in quite a few of our games this year. and. I mean, as I said, when you've got the likes of Abby, Abdullah, James through the middle, as long as you don't get off to a terrible start with the ball, trying to do a few times, um, you're you're going to be there or thereabouts. And I just I'm just think chasing in club cricket, chasing in professional cricket is hard enough. Like, people just do silly things. Yeah. So whenever we got the chance to bat first, we were very happy to do so. That's quite interesting because uh, last week um, Sal was talking to Alex Blowfield from Shepherd's Bush and he said he really, really prefers chasing. And I've heard that from many a club cricketer. They want to they know what the score on the, on the doors are and they find it easier to, to control the game when they're chasing. I have to be honest, I've never subscribed to it. I'd much rather have 260 on the board and say best of luck, chaps, uh, rather, than, rather, rather than chase and have that scoreboard pressure. But um, I'm really interested to hear that you, you guys are in that, in that position too. Um, and the yeah, rest of the side? I, I, with, I was going to say, I played with blowers at Cambridge and, and he was actually at the same sport with me in Shrewsbury as well. He's just, he started too late back. Now, hold on. You're so, another Shrewsbury guy, aren't you? Yeah, this, I'm this, not this, surprised this, that he said that. Yeah, this just gets better. I didn't realise you, you had Shrewsbury links, uh, Alistair. Even yeah. Um, Marvellous. Um, so in terms of the other sides, though, what, what, is there anything that, that stood out about the way that the twos, threes or fours approach their cricket? Anything different or, or anything that... That that um, that you were surprised by, maybe. Well, I think I think it all stems from, in part, from the first team. If the first team get good availability out, then it sort of crescendos down the 
down the lead, down the sides. Um, they all had really good availability. Um, and, and again, mainly through our sort of younger members of the club and they were all doing great stuff for us down second team, third team, fourth team. I mean, the seconds, I think that the seconds were nearly fairly, fairly convincingly, even though our captain averaged about five in the year. Um, he's sort of a, he was just, he was there to orchestrate the troops. Alex Alex Smith. Um, and then the third 11, always, I think, a difficult team. Um, you've got people from the fours trying to get up to the twos and people in the twos who don't necessarily want to get dropped. And Paul Hyam took it on this year um, and did an amazing job. Um, he won our club win of the year, um, which just shows the sort of effort that he put in. And then I think down in the fourth team, you're never quite sure what's going to happen there. And Matt has done it tirelessly for a few years. And I think fortunately for him, he was in a situation where he could play this year with all the, um, and actually put on a fifth eleven having to ring up and, and cancel. But you have all sorts of characters amongst all different teams. Um, I mean, the second, some of the second eleven teams we put out this year would have would have given our first team a couple of years ago a decent run for the money. When you look at well, yeah, team, we we saw that, um, Alistair. To be honest, you know the, the Teddington twos were very very strong, playing the same division as Twickenham twos, and 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 we felt that there was a number of players there that would play first team cricket in at a lot of other clubs. It shows shows something about the. The strength in depth. I think your your point about Matt O'Toole is very well made. I mean, you know, captain of the lowest team in a club is always a difficult position, right? You're, you're the one who has to sweep up when, when others have nicked your players. Um, but he he put in a lot of miles actually organising the cricket in Division Six B. He got in touch with all of the other clubs. Said, I know we're we're not um, we're not playing in the, the, the county league format this year because it was only down to Division Four. Um, and he arranged all the fixtures. He made sure all the teams had games. Um, now, Cynic might say, well, it's because he had a strong team and they wanted to win the league. But I genuinely don't think it was that at all. He wanted to play cricket. And I, I took my hat off to him. I thought he did a fantastic job of getting Division 6B up and running. And a lot of people at Twickenham, in, in our fifths who play in that division, would not have had as much cricket had he not put that effort in. So, um, yeah, uh, respect you. Yeah. I thought he did, um, yeah. he did really well. Totally is. He's an all-run to himself. And he, he, you have to have those people at the club. You have, yeah, they have to be there. I mean, and to his credit, it's not just his effort he puts into the fourth team. He sort of is in charge of all the different spreadsheets or who's playing in which team and doing all that side of things as well. So, yeah, you, you've got to have those people in your club. And he, he, he was very good there to organise that and gave us another league to win. Impressive character. Yeah. Sal, over to you. Alistair, so you, met, you touched earlier on about having, obviously, um, Sam Robson and Nick Gubbins playing sort of four games each for you this season. So I want to sort of ask you about the impact they had on, on, the, on the team itself, maybe even the club itself, actually. But obviously, aside from that as well, you've, you've got Josh Nappett, ex, ex-professional, fantastic keeper, and obviously brings a lot to the side in terms of experience and sort of ability. And alongside that, again, you've got Abhishek Jundjanwala, who's played IPL cricket. And I think he might play with Shane Warne, or he has played with some big names in, in his career. What do those sort of guys bring to the table in terms of, you know, on the pitch and off the pitch? Yeah, Abby's definitely played with a few good players. He certainly likes to tell us he has anyway. Um, I mean, <laughs> to, have, to, have, to have Robbo and, and Gubbins in the team, it, I mean, like Gubbins came out late availability playing the Ealing game and it just gives everyone a lift. Um, he, I, I don't know. I mean, from our perspective, they're very much part of the club. So 
you certainly don't plan to have them available and for them to play, but when they turn around and say, yeah, we'd like a hit or Gubbers in situation, I really like a ball. Um, you just get them in, whoever it might be. I mean, Nick, our usual first team captain in the last game of the season, we had them both available and probably dropped himself. And Pretty selfless from your first team captain when you're about to win the league to drop yourself. I think that's just really what we're all about, just trying to get our best team on the pitch. Um, and I mean, when they're around, it's, it's, it's not like they're anything else. They're just part of the team. And it's always helpful to have them at the top of the order. Um, and it just gives us, well, actually, the governs, he's usually just in your ear saying, oh, come on, mate, get me on, get me, let me on the ball. Lenny's are coming out well. I'm like, sure, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. They just, I mean, I, I don't, from an opposition perspective, I then you probably look at it and go, oh, that is not, it's a bit, um, it's not ideal having them at the top, but for us, yeah, we we love it. We we try and make them feel part of the club. They both came to the club at the end of the season, so I hope they think they're part of the club. We certainly do. Um, we love having them around. I mean, and Josh as well managed to get six or so games out of him this year. He, he's such a badger. He absolutely loves it. Um, sort up to speed with all the stats. Just so many theories. Um, and, you need, and to have someone again with his experience around it, let alone his, own, his ability, it's amazing. And fills you with such confidence, throwing out the into the mix. So you, when he was at Richmond, I, we always looked at him and thought, I mean, I know he's an ex-pro, but sort of as a league player, one of the, the best players in the league, his batting and bowling. Um, yeah, to have those people in, yeah, this is great. Makes it very easy when you're throwing the baton of captaincy. You just don't let them do it. I must admit, I noticed. I, I came back to the pavilion when you guys played on the green, and um, and I remember walking into the pavilion, and and, and Sam Robson was there having a, obviously a socially distanced drink, and I did think that's that's quite interesting. You know, the game had finished. I don't know what it was. Must have been an hour and a half earlier, and um, and yet it's still there. And he, you, you would not have known that, that that he was you know someone who's got an Ashes hundred to his name, and that's got to be good, right? If it's got to be good, if he's prepared to sit down and have a, a have a beer. Uh, rather than race off and, and and worry about his next professional commitment, I think it says says a lot for the the camaraderie of the team that he does that. Uh, how long has Sam played for you now? Is it second year? Is it or was it the first year? I think it's the second year now. Second I think he played. Year. I think he played a few games for us last year. Um, this is his second. Obviously, we had Gummins in the club for ten years or so. I think since he was he's a young guy, so he's been around. We, we at one stage we thought we might have Tom Lace as well because he used to play. For Powers that be decided that might be a step too far. Right, right. And what about your background, Alice? I mean, obviously, I, I wasn't aware that you, um, you know, you came, you spent time in God's County in Shropshire. Um, but what, what's your cricketing yeah. background? So I, I played, obviously, I played at school. I just Worcester and Shrewsbury. Um, played a bit of age group stuff for Worcester, but nothing ever too serious. Um, always overshadowed by my younger brother. Um, professional um but yeah then i went to cambridge played three years or so there and that was that was sort of possibly the funnest cricket i've, I've ever had sort of playing against some seriously good players playing obviously with alex blanford in my last year and he came to do a masters um and then i've been attending him for five years and then before that i was at barn green um in the birmingham league so played a lot of league cricket there good club um so yeah barn green yeah 
they're very strong, great club to be a part of. Um, still follow them. Um, but yeah, I think that's, they're still playing actually in some semi final. They are, that's right. Birmingham League's not, not finished yet. Yeah, yeah, still going. A little bit down there. And then, yeah, the last five years or so, um, William Froom persuaded me to go to Tellington. Never went back and obviously really enjoyed that. And what about Cambridge University cricket? Because I don't think we've spoken to anybody who, who, who's mentioned that explicitly, although we may well have spoken to people on the 25 pods that we've done who've been at Cambridge. Um, but it's, it always strikes me as a slightly funny season because uh, a lot of the cricket is inevitably early season. So there's a lot of wickets that I guess are, are quite sort of optimal for seam bowling. It may rain a bit, um, but you say it was a wonderful time. You really enjoyed it. What, how many games did, did is a Cambridge University season? Um, well, I guess it's a bit of a hybrid because you have the MCCU stuff, which I think is about to finish, but we had that at the same time. Um, mm. And that was all in sort of April, May when you might play the counties. And I mean, certainly from my perspective as a, as a slow seamer playing in April. But yeah, you used to play a few of the MCCU games early doors. Certainly had a few snowed off in March. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, it was it was mad. I was mad, and then it tended to sort of blew a bit more, bit more into the sort of blue stuff, a bit more into which obviously playing against the varsity matches against Oxford, where I used to play against a load of my other talented team, which is fun to reminisce about. One this year, all the game, which is always important. Say, um, the fact that you say it's good to reminisce means you probably won a few, right? Uh, well, I've never, I've never won a one-day game. I, won, I, I was fortunate enough to win the four-day game in my last year and a T20. But um, yeah, it was always, always competitive cricket, but always, always really fun. Um, obviously, really, I'm playing with fellas. A lot of people put a, a saying to club cricket, but a lot of people put a lot of effort behind the scenes. It doesn't always get seen. Um, great place to play. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Super, super. I had one, actually, one last question about Teddington that I should have asked a bit earlier, but I forgot. Um, New Pavilion this year. And um, yeah. I went to see T20 there in, in, in August, and, and the, the Pavilion was, was great. It looked fantastic. Obviously, not in full working order because of the, the COVID limitations and everything, but you must be over the moon with that. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Any, anyone who's been to Bushy Park this year and seen the transformation from Royal Pavilion, which uh, had character. Um, but we think people have been looking for a while to upgrade it and through the, the effort that has gone in is, is unbelievable and William Fruin sort of in his last few years of chairmanship that was his sort of what he wanted to leave it behind and then you obviously got the likes of Matthew Reese um, who sort of ran the whole project and all manner of other people who, who who are involved? I mean, now the, the structure itself is massive, um, and I'm sure it goes down in part to, to why we have to use it properly. I mean, for years to come, I think William certainly left his legacy there, um, and we're just very lucky, very lucky to be able to play there now. Certainly, things have changed to the old. The old it is, yeah, it's a different different beast, isn't it, altogether? Um, without wanting to, to pry into too many details, I mean, how, how did you fund it? Um, I assume through multiple different 
different sources but was it was there a clear sort of strategy for for using different pots is there anything other clubs could learn from there i think we were i think we were very lucky from a few very generous people um gave money gave a few loans i think there was a lot of hard work behind the scenes to secure various different grants um i i, I understand a lot of these are against how much you can raise yourself i certainly wasn't involved i think that the players players sort of were giving giving donations over three years period i think it was about to end um but I, yeah i think it was a club effort but i think at the end of the day you, you really need those people to give up a serious amount of time and energy and to drive it forward and without those few it was certainly wouldn't happen i think that's a I was going to say as well, we, there was, we have a couple of partnerships with the athletics club and the school, um, the school that you use at Rabbit House. Um, and they're, they're obviously very important. And I think as a club, we're now hoping that with that school link, we can hopefully get those juniors through, keep, keep building. Mm. I think you, the point there about it being a long-term project that requires serious financial planning is, I mean, it's an obvious one. But it's just so fundamental, isn't it? You know, you, you need to have multiple streams of funding and you need to have committed people. Um, not rocket science, but absolutely. If you don't have it, then pavilions don't get built. So, And, and I thought it was great when I, when I, I popped by in, in August. It, it looked like a, a really good addition to, to, to everything Teddington were doing. Um, I wanted to move on, uh, though, Alistair, to something Teddington didn't win, okay? which, of course, is not very much this year because Teddington did win an awful lot. And that's the League Cups because we had the final from uh, finals of the League Cups um, this weekend. Now, Sal, your, your side, North London, was involved in one. Um, should we kick off with that one? How did that one go? Actually, we'll start the, the, the main one first, or the League one. Then I can, then I can yeah, ramble sure. on about North London. Uh, so, the, the <laughs> League Cup one, which was which was mainly for Premier Division sides and two Division two sides, was contested at Old Deer Park and saw Ealing defeat North Middlesex by, by, North Middlesex by nine runs. Very close game in the end. Ealing two for eight uh, in, their, in their 45 overs with Ollie Walking back in back in to the runs with 79 and Ben Graves has been a very good addition for Eden this year. Good all-rounder. Bowls left arm spin. Bats up the order. Scored 74. As I said, the Northland gave it a good, good go. But as I said, fell short by, by nine runs. Connor Nurse has been in some fantastic form recently with 43. Captain James Parso 62. But in the end, just just a bit too much to to get in the end. And so congratulations to Ealing who, who, who won the Cup this year. And then we did have the League Cup too, which was held at Winchmore Hill. And it involved Winchmore Hill and North London. A low-scoring game, uh, North London batting first, 1-4-1 one, one, all out, with Will Jones scoring 54. I mean, I have to credit which one he was fielding and bowling. I thought they filled the spinners ball really well. Their fielding was exceptional. I mean, they did drop a couple of catches, but beyond that, they took some really good catches as well. And they were really just, you know, on the ball all round. Quite a sort of youthful side, lots of energy. Second innings was... Uh, Tight affair. I mean, they won by three wickets. They, they did lose a few towards the end, so it might have sort of flattened North London slightly. But I mean, again, credit to North London for going to the end. But again, as I said last week, it was a bat- battle of Jones versus Gatting. Who comes out on top will win the game. Gatting with 79 was basically the difference between the two sides. You know, he's, he's a Premier Division cricketer and he showed it on Saturday. Just a class knock, hitting shots all around the ground, just seemed two levels above everybody else. There was a great battle, though, with him and Will Jones. I mean, it was almost like three O's of Donald versus Atherton, two top players going toe-to-toe at each other. Will Jones finished with figures of 
nine over six maidens, one for 12. And, you know, he bowled a fantastic spell. <laughs> and the only play Decent was, figures. Yeah, not a bad effort. Yeah, not a bad effort. Um, and, and Gatton was really, you know, really cautious against him. Did hit for one boundary. But as I said, it was two guys, lots of respect for each other, really going hard at each other. And as I mentioned, Gatton was definitely the, the, the difference. But, you know, North, North, Middlesex, sorry, North Winchmore Hill played their part in, in the field earlier on. I have to say as well, in general, it was at end of season. We've never been in the final for a long, long time. And we brought a healthy sort of crowd down, which will, which will had played their part as well. You know, I would say there's over 300 people watching the game. Lovely sunshine. And played in good spirits. Obviously, there's a little bit of chat flying around, as, you, as you'd expect, in, in a final. But overall, played in good spirits. Two sides, you had a lot of respect for each other. And got you have to credit Winchmore Hill for hosting it fantastically well. You know, they had stewards there. They had a really good sort of signing in system. You know, bar was well managed. And for me, actually, what was the most fitting moment itself was that Della Rater Blanche was there. We all know he's he's not been too well in the last sort of couple of years or so. He was there watching and at the end when Sasha Selwaratnam, the captain, was awarded the trophy, he went over and gave Della a massive hug, which was, you know, everyone there just almost could appreciate that and it was really, you know, a poignant moment in terms of how that was you know, received by everyone around. And what was another pleasing aspect is was the fact that Winchmore Hill had nine players who come through the Colts and North London had six. So 15 of the 22 players who come through both clubs. And I think that's an important point to bear in mind because I think Ealing and North Middlesex are also, we both know, we all know, sorry, our clubs are lots of players who come through the Colts system. So maybe this, this League Cup this year in both, in both sort of formats has benefited the clubs who have young players who want to play on Sundays also good cricketers and it's quite you know interesting to see that the four finalists have been clubs with sort of good cult systems producing good young players who want to carry on playing cricket you know both days this year and have resulted in producing decent sides that have got to finals so that's maybe something to bear in mind for the future for any sort of clubs looking to you know maybe uh, you know get to sort of some finals in the future and I'm going to come into this as well we are going to obviously discuss um the format, which I think, having spoken to you know people around the ground on Saturday, um, you know there was umpires there who umpired, there was players there who play regularly. There was uh, the Winchmore Hills podcast host there as well, Don Phillip, was an interesting guy. And the, the census is kind of that the format's worked really well this season in terms of having two separate competitions. And is it something that we could go over next season? You know, permitting obviously that we have a full season. I personally, I'm in favour of it definitely because see my club in a final, which, you know, as I said, not happened for a long time, have a big day where they have their sort of moment in front of a big crowd is probably quite good. Whereas normally, you know, we might get drawn away at North Middlesex early April. They'll play every single superstar going and we'll be knocked out straight away. Whereas I think this gives chances for, you know, the clubs to actually have their big day, you know, in the, in the sun at the end of the season. I'm interested to see what, you know, yourself, Dan and, and Alice, they think about that. Yeah, what do you make of that, Alistair? Is there a case for having two different competitions there? I think, I think, I feel, I feel like it should, well, my view is it should start as a one competition. And then if you want to have a plate competition or something like that, at least gives the, I will carry about cut something over, but at least gives the lower league sides the chance to, don't know, test themselves against the higher teams, have a bit of a cup run, um, but with also the chance to, as you say, start having a run out at the end and then get the whole way with the lower competition. I mean, I think I think it depends what the, what the lower league 
find want to do really. Yeah, I think that's an interesting one because I think the problem with with a, the notion of a plate is that I wouldn't say there's a stigma to it. Stigma's not the right word, but but it, it does feel as if it's a competition that you go into as and when you know you couldn't you know you'd be knocked out of another one. Where I suppose this one feels a little bit different because it's seen as a separate competition that's just specifically for a, a set of clubs. And I guess that that did that make a difference, Sal, for North London this year, or, or would it have worked if it was a plate as as Alistair mentions there? I mean, when when the fixtures came out of the season, I did sit down with a couple of guys in first team captain field, and I said, "Look, look at the draw that we have. On paper, it's it's a draw we should be looking at and thinking we can get to the final because you know we had I think AP, Alexandra Palace, Alexandra Park, sorry, Hornsey, and potentially you know, to Hamlet as we you know in our in our half and the games that if we put out a strong style, we can definitely compete and potentially win. So. It gave us sort of hope early on, thinking, okay, we have an actual chance. Whereas in the past, you know, you look at a draw in a normal format and you've got North Midland. If you win that, you're going to go and play against, I don't know, Bronsbury or Hampstead. And if you win that, you so it's, it's a hard ask early on. Whereas I think this format has worked well, you know, in terms of giving some teams an idea how far, you know, what the season entails. I think also, if we do have a season next year, you know, we've got the National, we've got the T20 competition takes place. If, if for instance, like, you know, let's say Twickenham, for instance, and they have a competition where they might have to play four games in the League Cup and they've got other competitions they're taking part in as well. Would it not be easier if they had less games in one cup and then they can maybe focus on other cups as well and, and get stronger sides out rather than having to field weaker sides because they know they've got to play maybe six, seven Sundays worth of cricket, which, you know, again, may, may be an, an issue with certain players playing so much cricket. Well, I must admit, last year we, we took the active decision not to enter the National. Um, because we we just felt um, we couldn't do justice to the competition, and and even even if we did do justice to the first round or even the first two rounds, we then play our third team in the third round. So uh, we we opted, and and not a decision I enjoyed being part of, but we opted to, to not not even take part in it because we wanted to try and give the T Twenty a go, and if possible, the Middlesex Cup later in the season. Um, and I think other clubs might well be in a, in a similar position for that. In fact, the national now is limited to eight clubs, Alistair, from the county league. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's something like that. They, yeah, they reduced it down. Middlesex have an allocation of eight, which powers that be can allocate as they see fit. Yep. I think, well, I think like our that. decision to not enter allowed Stanmore to enter. I think who'd done ridiculously well the year before. Yeah, the final. Yeah, that's it. But they're in Division Two. They they, they got relegated. Really yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so we, and we were not in any way coerced not to be in it. It was we just we just felt it wasn't the right thing to do. Um. But, I mean, I do worry in an 18-game season, Sal, that there's a lot of cricket here. And, and will your availability at North London, do you think, still be the same if you've got the 18 league games and all those other competitions? I mean, as I said, if, you've got, if you're in a competition where you, you, look, at, you look at potential friction and think we've, they're winnable in some, in some regards, no disrespect to you know, teams in Division 4, for instance, but if you've sure. got a Div, yeah, I got what you're saying. Three and a Div 4 mm-hmm. comp and you've got a Prem Div and Div 2 comp, then they're separated. You might look at the run early on and think, okay, well, you know, we fancy our chances if we beat this team and this beat this team and beat this team. Whereas I said, if you've got a competition where you're drawn, you know, ten and ten or one of the big guys in in the prem early on in in early April and the April when you're not feeling the strongest side and they've got everyone ready to play and they want to get some preseason games for their for their main team, then it's almost like your your season's over in April in, in that situation. I mean, interesting to see what happens. I mean, as I said, speaking to people around the ground. Definitely in favour of it. You know, there was a couple of umpires who, who thought it was a good idea. So 
be you know we we we'll have to wait and see and see what what turns up in in the winter in terms of that happening next season. I think the fact there are three hundred people there is interesting. That that's a lot of people watching watching a game of cricket in the middle of September, isn't it? And that's a, that's a great advert for for all sorts of things for the league, for the competition, for the two clubs involved. I have to say, Winchmore Hill always strikes me as a great venue for a final. You know, they, they, they put on a good do, and I'm sure they that they that they, they play everything by the book sale, right? In terms of track oh. and trace and all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, as I said, I can't fault them on the day. You know, great host. And everything was in place, all regulations, and they managed it really well. You know, just talk, come back to North London in, in general as well. And I suppose Winchmore Hill, you know, we had obviously supporters of the club. We had our women's team come down. We had we had Colts there watching. You know, we had ex-players coming down to watch. So it was a really good club occasion to to end the season because obviously now the season's over. So it was a good way to obviously we didn't win the game, but you know we gave it a good shot. But in terms of like as a club itself, it was just good for everyone. You know, for the players to see all these people there watching them. So. You know, it's something that I'm sure they they relish and they would love to do again. You know, in the next couple of years, if possible. Yeah, I can imagine that. I mean, I I had some correspondence with Tim Royale from um, from Winchmore Hill earlier in the week, and he was saying that they've um, you know it's a great way to end their season, and they, they they got a seventh team out at one point earlier this year. They put seven sides out on a Saturday, which is like it's unbelievable. Uh, managing to get seven seven players, and of course, all populated by juniors. And I know Highgate have been talking about getting the seventh out at one at one stage. So it goes to show there's a lot of cricket being played. And it's nice to see a club that's really uh, bounced back from a tough few years, strong junior section winner, win a trophy in front of 300 people. I mean, that's, that, that's good for them. So, so hats off to Winchmore Hill um, there. Um, thinking about the winter, now obviously we're not going to have too much cricket to talk about, but cricketers still think cricket and, and still prepare for cricket. Um, so given that in a normal winter, Alistair, what, what would you guys at Teddington be doing? I mean, obviously this is going to be slightly complicated this winter coming with, with COVID restrictions, but would you guys be netting before Christmas or do you leave, do you leave any formal nets until the next uh, calendar year? No, we, we tend to not really see each other till after Christmas. I think after 18 game season, usually people have certainly had enough of me and, and, and each other. So a bit of there detoxing. Is. Yeah, exactly. And then maybe get together around Christmas. Uh, and then I think win- winter nets usually start up sometime around in February at St. Mary's University. Um, February or March, I've six, six nets there. I mean, historically, whether this will change now we've got Abby at the rain and sort of in charge, we- we've been pretty poor trainers. Um, um, because Tennington's quite a long way away to be trying to go for an hour along there. Um, Can I just say that's the last time. thing that the rest of the league wanted to hear? So you're a rubbish trainer. So 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 you're planning to improve that, are you? Right. <laughs> Great. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Certainly, we could certainly be better at. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I think I think mean, obviously, what happened. Yeah, we are doing it for a while until March time. I think that's a pretty common pattern, though. No, Sal and North London, much the same. Detox for a bit and then then come back at it from January, February. Yeah, we normally sort of start nets indoors around sort of January, February time, up till sort of early April, and then the outdoor season starts. Yeah, so yeah, not too much difference at all there. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. All good. Um, between now and Christmas, we would normally have an AGM. Just um, uh, sort of trying to think about a, a few housekeeping things, and um, I, I'm not totally sure what the league's position on that is. I think having an in-person AGM has, has gone down the swanee. That's not going to take place but there may well be some sort of zoom meeting i guess i don't, I don't know um but we'll, we'll speak to 
um, to, to Nick Brown, League Secretary, about that and advise in the next pod as to what the organisational plans are for, 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 for the winter, because obviously we'll have to talk about um, yeah, talk about those uh, at some point. Um, Sal, anything else you wanted to throw yeah. into the mix? Well, I mean, yeah, Nick is keen to come on, so I think we will try and get him on the next sort of few weeks. We'll, we'll give Eugene a little break after this. He's really worked so hard, the poor guy. Um, but yeah, definitely look to get to, um, Nick Brown on and he can clarify any sort of future plans regarding the AGM. I just, yeah, I just want to say personally, I think we we have to sort of thank you know, um, Alice has mentioned, you know, his club, the people behind the scenes who, who just do so much work at all the clubs that we're involved in and we're in the league. The season has not been the easiest one, probably one of the hardest ones on record for everyone. I want to sort of, you know, personally, again, from I think from us as well, the, the league has done a fantastic job in putting the season they've done this year. All the clubs, for all the work they're doing and getting teams out and getting fixtures organised and being ready to play, that's been a fantastic effort from everyone around. And there's lots of people behind the scenes that, you know, who don't, you know, we mention all the players, don't we, all the time who score the runs and get the wickets and win the games. But, you know, every club's got their unsung heroes who do the work. You know, we've got the barman, the groundsman, you know, every, every single sort of person who's there working hard behind the scenes tirelessly. You know, we should give them a massive pat on the back and appreciate the work they do within the clubs. It's It's been a tough year all around. But I think as a county, Middlesex has performed really well as a, you know, as a league itself in doing what they've done in terms of the amount of cricket that's been played this year. And, I think no one can really complain in how everything's turned out. And hopefully next season we are going to be back to normal and we should have a, a full season. But at the minute, we just don't know. And also, I mean, for my part as well, I mean, you know, you hear me and Dan quite a bit, but there's a guy who does a lot of work behind the scenes, Eugene. He's he's amazing. The guy, he does all the, all the tech stuff. He's, you know, he, we, me and Dan just talk, don't we? You know, but... He's yeah, exactly. Away. That's very true. We, we couldn't do it without you. That's very true. No, he sits around, he has to do the two hours of editing afterwards and get everything together so and actually I was just thinking on this almost a year of our, of our podcast so it's been a you know enjoyable year we've had some great feedback from people keep keep letting us know what you think about the podcast it's nice that we've got people all around the world listening to, to our views on cricket within the league and we obviously we, we you know we're going to continue with this and keep things going but I said any, any ideas any suggestions any guests you'd like to have on then please get in touch with me or Dan or Eugene and we'll do our best to get them on so you know good year so far and long may it continue Absolutely, I second all of that. Um, I think uh, I think the league's done a fantastic job. The nine-game season has worked as well as it could possibly have worked. No, I think there's been really competitive cricket, regardless of whether teams could actually go up or down. The, the, the cricket's been great, um, and you know, thanks to, to, to Nick and all of his team and, and all of the, the individuals who've made it work, we, we all appreciate it. As you say, though, so I hope next year we are back to eighteen games. I, I hope that there is a semblance of normality. Fingers crossed, there will be. I think. Um, uh, I think organised sport has now got itself in a place where um, it, it's seen as being a much l- more low-risk issue than, say, having a pint of beer in a pub at 10.30, which, of course, we can no longer do anymore. So, um, so fingers crossed it will be back to normal next year. Alistair, anything you want to throw in at the end? No, nothing. Yeah, just looking forward to next year. Hopefully getting a chance to play with a red ball again <laughs> as a bowler. Yeah. As a bowler, yeah. it's been a sort of year of just sort of Bowling balls to let Wilkins, Cracknells, Holman just see as far as they can hit you. So <laughs> they don't do that with a red ball as well. But yeah, I mean, it's, it is nice to see the likes of Joe and Emily doing well for Middlesex as well now. So I mean, that, that's something that we certainly take away from this year as well. Absolutely. Sal made the point actually when we recorded our pod last week that at the time there was a Middlesex game on and there were six players in that Middlesex side who played league cricket. 
this year. So that 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 that's clearly great. That's a great advert for what the league is trying to do. Um, we'll probably be back in a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks. We will see um, to talk about um, developments as they develop. Uh, in the meantime, as Sal mentioned, all feedback very welcome. Um, thanks again for listening, and Sal, Alistair, thanks for coming on board. Um, see you all soon. Cheers, cheers, cheers Alistair. Cheers, guys. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus.